0: What's good First Church? It's great to be here with you. Welcome Hebron Online, Jasper County Jail and demont Wheatfield. We got a good day. I'm glad to be back with you. And we received a lot of great feedback about last week's message. I'm thankful um, for my wife, Kristen, not only for speaking, but letting me air her dirty laundry in worst moments. A lot of you were like, bruh, I mean, are you gonna be okay when you go home? Like, are things okay? Blink twice if things are not okay, you know? And uh, I promise you things are good. She always gives me permission to share stories except for the worst ones, which I just kind of send it and then say, oops, I forgot. You know what I mean? No, just kidding. I don't do that. But uh, I'm thankful for her, and I'm glad that you guys get to learn from our mistakes so that you don't have to make them. We are in the second week of our job versus calling series, and uh, I just, this message said, I mean, I meet with so many particularly discouraged men and also women who leave the family they love to do a job that they hate as our life passes us by. You know, and God made us to live, to live life, and yet so many of us are like half alive. We're zombieing through life, hating every day. I mean, we do this thing, and last week, you know, I was speaking a lot to, to men and women, to marriages, to that. This week, I want to speak to people um, who hate their job, who hate their job. I think a lot of us, we feel trapped in a rat race, and this series has enticed us because we go back to the rock pile every Monday, and it's like, how much longer, you know I mean? You're just counting down days till re- your retirement, and you're not even 40 yet. You know, and it's like, man, that's that's bad. You're just sitting here thinking, God, please show me your will for my life. There has to be more than this. And if that's you, even if you're not a Christian, you're going to find this message helpful. I will show you today God's calling for your life. So if you've ever wondered what God's calling is for your life, I will show you what it is. And what we're going to do, and a lot of you need to know what's going to happen. I like to know what's going to happen, so I always try and be courteous, treat you the way I want to be treated. Here's the structure of the message. I'm going to tell a story. We're going to look at some Bible. I'm going to make a main point with some other points interspersed. But I will tell you what the main point is. I'll say this is the main point. It's one big point, very important. Then I'm going to give a challenge of how to apply the main point to your life. And finally, at the very end, I'll do an analogy with a prop. And this analogy here is going to be the best part. It's the best part, okay? That's, we're going to get to it, and that's where it's going to click, so you got to bear with me for that. This is a more serious message than normal. I'm talking about a serious issue, serious message. Sometimes I'll use more humor, but today I want to speak to the heart. And I heard a friend the other day sharing a story. He um, works at a large corporation, relatively new to his job, and he went to a retirement party for a coworker who was an executive. And my friend hates his job, hates it every day, you know, but his assumption is that as I get promoted, I'm going to find my calling, I'm going to like my job more. And he goes to the retirement party of a friend who he aspires to be like someday. And uh, the friend said, You know, I'm so grateful for this job because it's provided for my family. I mean, I hated every day of it, hated it, uh, every day of work. But I'm glad I get to retire now. This job's provided for my family. And my friend looks around and everybody's like, Yeah, no, we do. We hate this. And my friend was like, Are you kidding? You know, because he had the thing, the job that my friend wanted. My friend was like, This is going to be the rest of my life. You know, I mean, this is terrible. What am I doing here? Like, is this, is this just it? I'm just, and you reach this point, you know, maybe 32, 33 years old, where you look down the hallway and you realize it is gonna feel like this forever. I mean, how old were you where you realized you, know, you were aspiring and it was gonna be more and it was better and you couldn't wait till, and then you got there and all of a sudden it was like, huh? I'm gonna feel like this forever. You know, it's always gonna be the, I'm always gonna be this anxious. You know, I was dropping my kids off at school the other day and we were doing our morning routine uh, we say a prayer on the way to school, uh, them not so willingly, usually I have to make them. I'm like, you're a pastor's kid, you better pray to Jesus right now, okay, or I will wash your mouth. No, just kidding, I don't. Um, but they pray on the way, and then I ask the kids what they're looking forward to, which is, it's ludicrous to me that they go to school, however, 172 days a year, whatever, and they don't know what's going to happen. It's like, hey, what are you looking for? Well, I don't know, I don't know what's going to, it's like the same day. Every day you do the same day. How do you not know? It's one thing, you know what I mean? But they can't, well, I don't know, I don't know, right? They love to not know. Anybody else have kids like that? They love to not know. Unbelievable, it's their favorite thing. I don't know. Bruh, did you just call me bruh? Did you just call your father bruh? Like, what's wrong with you, okay? Did you tell me I'm trying too hard? I'm about to try too hard on you. But they dread it. And I felt bad. I was like, man, my poor kids, you know, I'm failing as a father. I want my kids to look forward in life. What's wrong with them? Why are they? It was a Monday, you know, and we sacrificed to send them to the school they go to and we wanted them to feel good. And I was driving to work and I just thought, my kids, what's wrong with them? And here's the irony is as I'm pulling into the parking lot thinking about my kids, you know, being bad for dreading school, I was just dreading work so much. You know, I'm sitting here before I get out of my car and this is what I was thinking is what if I can't write? A sermon, this very sermon. What if I can't write a sermon? What if I fail? What if whatever? I'm dreading it. And, you know, then I thought, it's been nine years here. I've written over 400 sermons and God always provides. But most Mondays, I walk into church. And even if I've got a good outline, even if I've got a good start on what I want to do, I experience this, like, extremely painful dread. And the anxiety is to the point where my chest physically hurts pretty badly. It's like a very sharp pain that I feel. And um, I think so many of us want to find a calling for life. We want a calling. A job that feels more and better than what we're doing. I mean, that's what we're looking for. And we're searching, we're hoping, we're wondering. The question we ask is, "Um, God, what is your calling for my life? What is your calling for my life? And some of that question is rooted in a desire to serve God. But a lot of it is rooted in this belief right here. If I find my calling, I won't hate my job so much. And that's what we believe. If I find my calling, then it won't be so bad. And I remember years ago thinking that too. I thought, "When, when I accomplish my calling, when I become a senior pastor, when I become a senior pastor, when I get my gray hair, you know, my daughter found a gray hair in my head the other day, and then she tried to pull it out, and I was like, wait, no, don't. That's my credibility. Don't pull that out. I need more of that. But anyway, the um, Bible says gray hair is a crown of splendor. So uh, I thought when I become a senior pastor, it's going to be easy. It won't feel like work because what, I'll do it, what, what I'm doing will be meaningful. Have you ever thought that? You know, as a senior pastor, doing what I've always wanted to do, to be honest, doesn't feel that different than when I was 15 working at Hardware Hank, which is a Minnesota version of Ace Hardware. Because a calling is not just a job. Most of you are sitting here asking the question, what is God's calling for my life? What is it? What is it? It turns out, most of us, we don't really know what a calling is. We don't understand this word. calling is not a career. It's not a job. It's something greater than that a job is a task we do a calling is who we are is we're doing whatever task we're doing when I was younger um, I couldn't see the difference and I was certain like many of you younger people probably are that when I achieve my career goals I would feel great because I'm living out my calling but having achieved most of my career goals I can tell you that doesn't feel that much different and most of you, if you look at an older person, I want to be careful to like cross my eyes, which isn't hard for a guy like me, but I want to cross, so I don't like accidentally look at somebody and imply that they're older, okay? But you look at older people, and uh, listen, most of them understand that when you get everything you want, it's not gonna bring you what you thought it would. You're gonna feel the same. And I think so many people screw up what a calling is. I wrote down three things about what a calling is not that we think it is. Number one, a calling is not just accomplishments or a task. So many people think, oh, it's a a task I need to do. I need to call, I need them called. And a job is a task, but a calling is greater. Which brings me to number two, a calling is not a job. It's not a job, it's bigger than a job. It's who you are as you do your job. Number three, a calling, it's never reached or accomplished. If it could be accomplished, it would just be a goal. But a calling is a life. It's a lifestyle, it's a mindset, it's a mentality. It's lived out. And I think the reason most people never experience the meaning, joy, contentment, and satisfaction that come from a calling lived out is because we have a definition of calling that is far too small. We limit it to a job. We assume it's a task. And we ask the silly question. This is what we always ask. God, what am I called to do? What is your major for my life? Like, what should I pick? What should I do? Should I be a this? Should I be a that? And am I living out my calling with my job? That will never, never, never satisfy. It's too small. I'll tell you, as Christians, we have a specific calling on our life. I'll tell you what it is. probably came for this. You might be disappointed, but our calling is to bring fame and glory to the name of Jesus. And that's not a task. It's bigger than that. That's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. And it doesn't matter where you're doing it. Whatever you do, you bring fame and glory to the name of Jesus. Different jobs, different things. You can bring glory and fame to the name of Jesus. It's a mindset. It's a lifestyle that never ends. We don't pick a job where we do that. We do that in whatever job we're doing. These last few months, I've been praying diligently about this series, and I've been thinking about how to address it. Because so I think there's a lot of us, a lot of us, more than I've noticed at any other point in my ministry, just hate our jobs. We're just doing it. We're just counting down days to retirement. We're kind of miserable. So many of us looking down the hallways of our life, and we're can't waiting, I don't know, to die? Can't waiting to retire? Can't waiting till we are too sick to do this? I mean, what are we can't waiting for? Fortunately, Jesus, through the Apostle Paul, has a lot to say on this. And I believe it actually works. Even if you're not a Christian, you're gonna love what God's word has to say about this specific issue. And you know, I could have picked a lot of different people in the Bible to talk about this. James, the half-brother of Jesus, would have been just as good. The disciple John, because he's been named after me, I like him, but he has a lot to say. He wasn't named after me, I was named after him. Um, Peter has a lot to say on this, but, but Paul is probably my favorite. And Paul was a former political superstar. He was like a Kennedy, a Clinton, or a Bush. Part of the political establishment, the Jewish deep state. He was connected, born to rule, only he encountered Jesus, and he leaves all of the trappings of power and family tradition. Gave up everything. Dedicated his whole life to serving Jesus, to the calling of bringing fame and glory to the name of Jesus. He didn't give up all of his jobs. He still was a business owner. He just started bringing glory to Jesus in whatever he was doing. And his work would basically reach the whole Roman Empire. And, you know, one would think that because Paul left all of that stuff to serve God, God would, like, give him a good life, just bless him. And God did bless Paul, but Paul did not have a good life. He had a really difficult life, really challenging life. And I think a lot of times we make this false assumption that when I serve God, my life's going to be easy. It's not gonna have illness. It's gonna be a great life, but that wasn't the case. I mean, Paul had a very difficult, troubling life with a toxic workplace. He owned a business that made tents. He was equivalent of a home builder today. And I want you to check out how he describes his work. I want you to see this, okay? He's going around running his tent making business, building, you know, homes in different communities. And he says, I've worked harder and I put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. It's like, well, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you had a bad day at work. Like, this is kind of a toxic environment. How many of you guys are getting whipped at work? Like, my boss got a cat of nine tails, and he whipped me. Five different times, the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Now, it was thought that 40 lashes would kill a man. So it was illegal to do 40 lashes if you weren't going to kill someone. You just give them 39. Fine, it's like maximum strength, Thailand. What's going to kill somebody? We'll just back it down a little bit, right? That's what they did right there. Three different times I was beaten with rods. Okay, all right. Once I was stoned. He's not talking about weed. I have to make that clear at first church. we got a lot of, no one's perfect, everyone's welcome, okay? Once I was stoned, that's with rocks to crush your bones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Okay, so we're not talking about little shipwrecked. You know what I mean? Like I've been shipwrecked, like, oh, the boat sunk. I had to swim to shore. Sorry, dad. Okay, is it insured? No? Okay, we need a new boat. Um, I've been hungry and thirsty, and I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. Next time I want to complain about toxic work environments, God, why would you lie? I think context is key. You know what I mean? Like, it's like helpful. It's like, okay, so Paul um, did get beaten with rods. Like, I have not, I mean, it was a bad day, but you know, context, perspective, not literally getting whipped. Paul has all this stuff happen. And what's interesting to me is he's not sitting there going, God, why would you allow this stuff to happen to me? He's fine. He does eventually go to God asking for something to change. See, Paul has this, He calls it a thorn in his flesh. Um, But most theologians think it was untreatable illness, an untreatable illness, something that was physically hard. And obviously all the other discomforts he faced were not as bad as this illness because this illness, he begs the Lord to take it away from him. He says three different times, I begged. Have you ever begged God to take something away? God, please, please take this away, you know? But God said, my grace is all you need for my power works best in weakness. That's just a fancy way of saying, no, not gonna do that. And you think to God and say yes. I mean, Paul's doing all this stuff. And what's Paul's response? Paul's like, dude, God, I'm gonna take a break. I'm a little burned out. Okay, I need to take a step back. I've had a little bit of church hurt. You know, I had that thing, I had that issue. No, just kidding. Paul doesn't do that. You know what he says? He says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's amazing. I mean, that mindset right there, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. I wish, I wish I could live like that. Can you imagine? If you had that inner strength that he had, you'd never have a bad day. It's like, yeah, I got beaten with rods today at work, but God's power works best in weakness. Like, it's, it's almost funny, but I want that. I want that. I want to be able to have that strength. You'd be like an emotional all-terrain vehicle. You'd be like a tank, like a, an Abrams tank, just going over whatever. You know, I could drive through. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens. There's never a case of the Mondays. I mean, this guy's just solid. Check out the next verse, Romans 8, 18. He says, yeah, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory we'll receive later. Wow, this guy is so strong in his calling, it's suffering, nothing can get him down, I want that. And next time, I got a huge fire at work, I got this thing, I got this guy, I got this problem, I got this reason, I got this thing, I want that. I want to be able to be like, yeah, what I'm suffering now, I mean, it's gonna be good, it's all good, it's all good. I want that strength. Philippians three ten. he goes, I wanna know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I wanna suffer with him, sharing in his death. Okay, I mean, Paul, that's... This is a cool guy. Philippians 1:21. for me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. There's a lot more, but I think you get the point. I think I've delivered it. You know, you understand. Paul's bad to the bone. I mean, he has this calling, this strength that's so great. Nothing can get him down. And I want you to imagine being able to live life like that. Wouldn't that be cool? Imagine how freeing it would be if you could really, truly have that kind of joy in all things. Paul has a tough life. He's got a tough job. Things aren't good, but he manages to enjoy it deeply because he has a relationship with God where no matter what happens in this life or the next, he is serving God who made him on earth or he's serving God who made him in heaven. That's the calling. That's the calling. That's powerful. There's nothing that can take his joy away. Nothing. Because he brings his calling to every job that he does. On his good days at work, His calling is to serve Jesus. On his bad days at work, his calling is to serve Jesus. And reflecting on this life is convicting for me, and maybe it is for you. I read that, and, you know, I don't know how long you've claimed to follow God. Some of us not yet, some of us for a long time, but we don't have that. And you read that, it's like, man, this is what I'm called to do. Where is that? And for years, there's a dissonance between the Word of God and the Word of God in my heart. And I think the difference is a discipline in my life that I'm missing. You see, calling is not a thing that you find or a desire that you have. It's a discipline that you practice. So many of us are like, oh man, I need to find God's calling. I need to find this thing. It's like, no, no, that's not what it is. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's not based on a condition in your life. It's based on a disposition of your mind. And here's this guy who manages to practice deep, real joy, the discipline of calling, and and, and he has a rough life. I read that, I think, man, what's wrong with me? We have good lives. We live in the richest place in time in human history. I mean, it's not just America. You know, I love America, I mean, I love this country. This is the greatest country. But it's not just where we were born, it's when, when we were born. This side of 200 years ago, the global life expectancy was 35 years. You were lucky to have a job where you worked 100 hours a week to subsist until you remained, at which point you get fired and you die of starvation. That was life. Did you know that the word leisure time, free time didn't exist? until the 1830s, because nobody had it. Nobody had it. We just worked all the time. Like, that's all we do is work. The life we have is so good. Every time I go on a global mission trip, which you should consider consider doing, it's life-changing, but every time I go on one and see real poverty, I'm like, my eyes are open. You know, almost all of us statistically are in the top 5% of global income, according to Wikipedia and census data for our county um, and Porter County. I mean, all of you. Probably everybody at our church, top 5%. Most of us are in the top 1% to 3%. We're rich by a global standard. We're filthy rich. Paul has a rough life, way worse than us. And yet he was able to find so much joy in it. For so many of us, if I told you at five that you'd have your own house, you'd have your own car, and you could buy whatever cereal you wanted, you'd be like, this is amazing. I can buy Lucky Charms. I love diabetes. This is fantastic. Let's just do it. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be so pumped. This is amazing, right? But it's funny because what satisfies us on the horizon when it gets to us doesn't satisfy us. You know, we're chasing after this mirage because when we get what we have, it didn't bring us what we thought it would. And for some of us, it's because of the preconceived, false preconceived notion of calling. Calling is more than accomplishment. Or calling is to serve God and rest in his peace and promises and bring his name, fame, and glory. And when we forget that, we'll never, we'll never be satisfied. So what is Paul's secret? How does he do it? I mean, what does is, what is he actually, I do understand calling, okay, you know, it's a disposition, it's a discipline. How does he practice the discipline? How does he practice the discipline? And I believe it's revealed in our key passage for the day. Um, I've got a key passage I want to reveal to you that Paul... And I learned this, this is one of the first verses I ever memorized, because my parents bought me a tape cassette, okay, this is after records, but before CDs, okay, that's how old I am. We had a tape cassette, popped it in the tape cassette, players GT and the Halo Express, so good. There's a whole song, I memorized this verse, you should look for it, you can't really get it anymore. But Colossians 3:23. whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, is working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, for it is the Lord Christ you are serving. What is the key to this passage? Whatever, whatever you do, whatever you do. Notice he doesn't say, pray and fast for the specific calling of God on your life. You need to find the vocation. You need to find the specific major, because if you miss it, you're not going to be working for God anymore. No, that's not what he says. He says, whatever you do. And the problem is for so many of us, you know, we're like, oh, I got to find God's calling. And if my job gets hard or if I fail, then God's not calling me. Good thing Paul didn't believe that. He would have left his calling in a heartbeat. What does Paul say about God's will? And this is my big point today. One big point. One big point. This is the big point. This is a powerful point. This point has the power to change your life. I'm not the first pastor to come up with this, but it does alliterate, okay? Paul tells us that God's will is whatever, it's whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart Is working for the Lord, not for human masters. It doesn't matter whatever you do, whether you're moving a pallet of steel from here to here, whether you're digging a hole, you're wiping a baby's bottom, it doesn't matter whatever you do, you're doing it for the glory of God. You're not working for human masters. You're honoring God in whatever you do. Everyone is called, everyone is equipped, everyone is made to serve God and bring glory to him. This is why, you know, we read passages like this, but this is why, Paul is able to take pleasure in his weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions that he suffers for Christ. Whatever you do, it doesn't matter. If I suffer, I'm doing it for the Lord. If I've got an illness that God won't take away, I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm dealing with this illness to honor God, to honor God. God says, my will is whatever. You can serve God hanging drywall. That's part of the whatever will of God. You can serve God at the steel mill doing it for him. You can serve God in the cab of your truck. You can serve God changing diapers. You can serve God pushing spreadsheets. It's not, that'd be tough for me to do, but some of you guys, you're called to do that. Maybe I am too, I don't know. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for people. That's God's will for your life. Whatever happens, whatever happens, if it doesn't go good, you're called to serve God. If it goes great, you're called to serve God. Whatever happens, you bring Christ to your family. Whatever happens, you bring Christ's glory through your suffering. Whatever happens, you're doing it for Jesus. Jesus. I think that so many of us get so concerned about doing God's will that we have forgotten to live out our calling, to remember that God's will is whatever we do, whatever, whatever we do. That's the calling. And I know some of you are like, okay, uh, pastor, that sounds clever. It does alliterate, you know, will, whatever. Fantastic. How do you do it? I don't know. You know, it's so good. How do I actually make that happen in here? Because I still can't overcome the fact that I hate my life. You know, I want to give you something practical. We're in the practical part. Remember, I said we have an application. I have a practical application for you. And I didn't come up with this. I had a mentor of Kristen's years ago who taught us how to do this. And it really has helped. It's been helpful. I've been reapplying this this last week, but I've been doing this for years. And uh, this is my practical challenge for you. Lately, I've been thinking about what I've been thinking about. Like the dark things in your mind. You ever do that? It's like scary up there, the dark things that we think. You know what I mean? Like about my job, about my life. Like I think some, if, it's a good thing. The Bible says that um, man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm like thanking God that, 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 that humans can't see my heart sometimes. Because, you know, I mean, we just think some, you know, you're driving, you see some kids. You're like, what if I just, you know what I mean? That ain't right. What just happened? You know what I mean? Like you see that cat that's in it and you just want to, uh, and You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did that come from? You know, we think some, some dark stuff. Some dark, I've been paying attention to that, the stuff I think about my job. And what I've been doing is thinking about the life that Paul had, the calling that Paul had on top of that very difficult life. And I've been trying to replace these dark thoughts with the thoughts that Paul had. And years ago, I mean, I made a list of all the things that I just started to think about in my work, and I, I think some things. And I was shocked when I actually wrote it out. I was like, man, I I think some bad things. And I know I've been making you guys write a lot these last few weeks, but this is practical. I actually want you to write out your dark thoughts. Write them out. I was just appalled. I was like, man, I, I I didn't even realize. This is just what I think about on a daily. And I made a list. I made a list. Some of you guys might relate to some of these. I made a list for you. These aren't necessarily all mine, but these are things that I think people in general think about. They're pretty generic, but you might relate to some of these. I don't really want to be in that meeting. It's a waste of my life. This is terrible. What do we have to do? We just got to sit here and listen to other people talk about things. I could be doing, I hate this. How about this one? My boss is such a time waster. I hate my life. How often do you think that? A lot of us, it's often. How about this one? I don't want to talk to that person. I dread having that conversation. I mean, how many of us, we just hope that we don't see that person? Because they're terrible. You know, we just think that all the time. I mean, I work with the worst person in the world. God, it's awful. It's awful. How about this one? It's so cold outside. This is going to be a terrible day. It's a great way to kick the day off. You know, it's going to be terrible. Or if it's in July and you're a redhead, you know, I'm going to have to roof in July. It's going to be terrible. My skin's going to melt off, whatever, you know. If I get yelled at one more time, I'm going to hate my life even more. I'm not open to receiving feedback. I'm not open to growth opportunities. If I get yelled at, I am going to blow my top and be defensive. Can't handle it. Can't handle it. You just, it's what you're saying. This is the one I struggle with the most. This is probably the one I repeat over and over again the most in my life. I'm gonna fail and let everyone down. Everything I work to build, I just repeat that, I don't know, 200 times a day in my mind. I mean, it just can happen over and over. I mean, there it is. I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna let everyone down. How about this one? Some of you guys are really late to this next one. This next one, go to the next one. Nobody sees how hard I work. So many people are not even working. Why do I have to carry the load? Why won't the union fire them? And that is frustrating. I mean, you sit there and it's like, here's this But this person hasn't lifted a hand in 20 years and it's frustrating and I don't get rewarded for working hard. I mean, there's nothing I can do. Just me, all day. And I hate it. I shouldn't invest in this guy because he's just gonna leave me anyway for the union, right? I know a lot of you business owners, that's what it is. Here it is, I'm gonna train him, I'm gonna do whatever and then he's gone. I don't wanna do it. Why should I invest and train him? And then this is the one that's really soul crushing that so many of us think. This is what we think. My work doesn't matter. I'm wasting My life, wasting my life, wasting my life. Those are the thoughts we think about. I mean, most of you, you probably relate. I probably nailed you with some of this. Like, ah, is he inside my head? No. What happened to work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for human masters. I mean, it's so interesting. What do those thoughts have in common? They're just about us. We're not working for God. We're working for ourselves. And that is really unsatisfying and unsatisfying. We're idols. We're idolizing ourselves. We're worshiping ourselves. Our satisfaction is what defines our life. Idol stands for it doesn't offer life. And so many of us, we're worshiping ourselves and it's like, I'm very unsatisfied. Paul tells us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And I think this is his secret sauce in living out a calling that transcends the good and the bad and the really bad things. So this week, I've been taking thoughts captive. And it's a discipline. Like, I want to. It's almost comfortable to go down those negative roads and just enjoy it and just roll in it and feel miserable and hate people and things. And it's like a good, familiar place of misery. You know, my mind sometimes with my dark thoughts, I'm like a hoarder. I just love having all this stuff here. And it's terrible and it's gross, but it's my gross. You know what I mean? Like, I love it and hate it. And on Monday, instead of going to that place where I say, I'm gonna write a terrible sermon. That's what I wanna say. I'm gonna write a terrible sermon. Nope, not going there. I'm gonna bring my very best I'm going to trust God with the rest. Whatever happens, I trust God. If it's bad, I trust God. If it's good, it's from God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to bring my best. And whatever I do, I'm working at it with all my heart for him. I want to challenge you to do that this week. I want to challenge you to take thoughts captive. I want to challenge you to actually think about what you think about. So stupid. I'm so ugly. I'm so terrible. Nobody likes me. Stop it. Fix it. As we close, I've got... My story, my analogy, it's gonna help you see this in a different way. And um, this last week, our dryer started taking an extra super long time to dry. And by telling this story, I'm just sorry guys in advance, because you're all gonna get a honeydew at home. But um, this Last week, our dryer started taking a long time to dry, and I knew it was probably our dryer vent. We lived in our house for the last nine years, and I have literally never cleaned it out. And it is actually 50 feet long. I measured it, 50 feet. So that's probably a bad design choice there. It's got a bunch of 90 degrees in it and everything else. So I ordered... this thing from Amazon, this drill attachment deal, it's got this brush on the end, and you know, you just, and you attach more and more of these sections to it, which was, it worked terribly, um, to be honest. It, it, it broke off in the middle, and then I ended up having to break the vent open to find the piece that was stuck in there, and this is just why I'm a pastor, you know what I mean? Like, I don't do things effectively or well. Um, took a lot of tries. I mean, it's just such a simple task. You know, you think this is going to be easy, but it went, went terribly. I had to call my dad, have him come help me. I mean, call my dad from across the house because we live in the same house. But I was like, Dad, I wrecked our house. It's bad. And uh, I filled up a garbage can, whole garbage can with lint, and it was just full of sludge and dust. It was, I was surprised how much came out of it. I was like, this is dead skin. I mean, gross. So anyway, um, The dryer is so different now. It works so fast, you guys. I mean, it used to take an hour when we first moved in. That's how long a dryer cycle took. Then it took three to four hours, which is probably, you know, I should have some alarm clocks going, but it's just so gradual over time, right? I finished this up 40 to 45 minutes. I mean, it's a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. I mean, the dryer is amazing now. And I've learned you got to clean out that vent, vent once in a while. And this is, this is the part. It's just so insidious. Just over time, slowly but surely, how clogged up it had gotten. And I never noticed it because it was just so gradual. It just slithered in there. I mean, it just happened over time. I've been following Christ since I was 15. It's 23 years. 23 years. It's a lot of time for some spiritual lint to build up in your heart. When I was 18, or no, when I was 15, I gave my life to Christ. And I got back. And I went to work at Hardware Hank. And do you remember when you first gave your life to Christ and went back to work? It was a whole new ballgame. I mean, I went in there and I worked for Tom Young, who owned that Hardware Hank. He wasn't the nicest guy. But I gave my life to Christ and I was no longer working for Tom Young. I was working for the Lord. I mean, I was working like, in, and my boss even commented, he's like, what got into you, Johnny? I mean, you're just bringing, and I was. I mean, I was sharing Jesus everywhere. I was stalking better than ever. I was working as fast as I could because I just thought, man, I am no longer working for you. I'm working for the Lord. It is the Lord Christ I'm serving. I mean, all that stuff I memorized as a kid, it was just zinging through my heart. And I was like, I can't believe I get to serve God, stocking shelves at Hardware Hank, helping old men find a nut, a bolt. It doesn't matter. It's a calling from God. I'm doing this. I'm serving him. I'm pointing everybody to Jesus. I'm bringing my best. I'm bringing my best. But over time, that lint, that dust builds up. It's so gradual, so gradual. And it's not like I ever walked in. I was like, I'm serving God today. It's just lint building up, doubts, lies clogging up my mind and heart just started taking longer and longer and longer for the goodness of God to to reach my heart. You know, I mean, it, You remember when you first gave your life to Christ? I mean, a song, you start listening to Shine FM. You know, you hear this new kind of music. They just say the same words over and over again, like many times in one song, but it's like so good. You know, I trust in God, my savior, this elevation worship, so good. You know, you hear one sermon and it's just a mid-sermon, but it don't matter. It just cuts you to the heart. You're like, that was so good. You read a devotional and you're like, God, you're so good. I you read God's word. It just speaks to you. It's just easy. It's instantaneous. We used to read it, be so touched, but over time, have you noticed? Over time, it doesn't have the same effect. I mean, you hear 10 sermons, best sermon ever, it's fine. You know, it's whatever, it's mid. It's, it's okay, you know, you, just, uh, you hear the song and it's okay, it's fine, it's kind of mad. I mean, it used to, but now it doesn't and whatever happened. And our calling, our heart is clogged with lint. God's calling used to be in whatever we do. It's just been dulled. It takes a serious thing even begin to make your heart warm up. I think over time, our ungodly thoughts, just like lint in my dryer vent, clog up our heart. And what I want to challenge you to do today is clean out the dryer vent of your heart and call it. What are the darkest thoughts that you think? What are they? What are they? And I want you to be honest. I want you to write them out. I want you to, these are what they are. I mean, my coworkers are terrible. I have no purpose. It's going to be like this forever. I'm the only one carrying the load. I hate this. I'm such a failure. Nobody likes me. And I want you to take the dryer vent cleaner that God gave to us in his word. I wrote it out for you on this sheet of paper. You can get it from an usher if you want on the way out, or you can just skip it if you don't want it. But I'd encourage you to clean out that heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, for it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I just want you to start remembering, I am serving God today. I want you to create a godly belief for all your ungodly beliefs, the ungodly beliefs that are clogging your heart. Remember, this is Paul. This isn't some dude who has a great life, you know. Some of you might look at me and be like, well, Pastor John's married to that cute little sugar plum. You know, he's got a great life. Easy for him to like. He's a pastor, and he don't have to, you know, do the things I got to do. And fine, I don't. But Paul did. Paul did worse. And in the midst of that, in the pit of that, in the pit of illness, in the pit of these things, and God wasn't answering his prayers, he said, I'm working for the Lord. I'm called. I'm equipped. I'm made whole by Jesus. What are our beliefs without God? What are our beliefs without God? This is life without God right here. We have no purpose. We're just stardust, bumping into stardust, fizzing chemical reactions. Who cares about human life? We're not sacred. Death was final. Nobody cares about you. You know, your death It's whatever. Death is the worst Nobody cares. Pain is reality. It's just gonna hurt. You know, that's life. It's just hurts. Just one hurt after another. Eat, sleep, repeat till we die. It's all there is to it. You know what's crazy is so many of us, we were new in Christ. We gave our life to Christ. We were new. And these are atheistic beliefs right here. Right? This is life apart from God. And that's not who we are, but at work, this is who we are. Like if you're honest with yourself, this is what you believe. I mean, these are your beliefs. Every day you go into work, this is it's gonna be terrible. It just is what it is. Nobody cares. Eat, sleep, repeat. Pain is reality, it's awful. This is your life yeah, I believe in God, I just act like an atheist. This week, I want you to get rid of those and replace them. I want you to clean out the vent of your heart. Instead of life has no purpose, I want you to cross that out and I want you to accept everything is purpose because of Christ. I was made in the image of God. I'm not just stardust bumping into stardust. Death is not the end because of Christ. Death is not final. God cares more than we could ask or think. Pain is not temporary. Or I mean, pain is temporary. Excuse me, pain is not temporary. I screwed that one up. Eat, sleep, and repeat, and enjoy life because you will meet God in heaven. His promises are real. I think about my friend at that company, that retirement party. They hated their jobs. They hated their jobs. And they didn't have that bad a job. They actually had good jobs, but they hated them because they forgot about their calling. It was a failure to remember the calling of God on their life. Right now, I, just, I think there's a lot of us who have forgotten the calling of God. We're just zombieing along. We're just trying to get through it. And God made you for more than that. God died on the cross to set us free, to give us joy, hope, and satisfaction. It's written all over his word. And I don't just wanna have a message that's interesting. I wanna have a transforming message. So right now, I really wanna put some challenge in your life and I don't normally do this, but I'd like to ask heads to bow and eyes to close, A moment of privacy and concentration, and just out of respect to your neighbor. I mean, if you're not into this, that's fine. Just respect your neighbor for a minute. But if you're into this, I want you to meditate on your life for a second. And I want to ask you, are you working for the Lord? Not for human masters in what you do in whatever you're doing are you working for the Lord in whatever you're doing and if the answer is no I want you to admit that in your heart you don't have to do it out loud but in your heart I want you to just confess that to God if that's you if you're not working for the Lord at whatever you're doing I want you to just say God I admit that I'm not living up to my calling I'm not working for you if you admitted that I want you if you're willing to repent say God forgive me for not living up to my calling, for not working for you, for not living my life for you. I claim to be a follower of you. I claim to love you, but I'm not following you. Forgive me, I repent. Living in rebellion, living for myself, living for whatever instead of living for you. God, forgive me, receive your forgiveness. And this is big, God today, I choose to live for your calling. I choose to live for your calling. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I just thank you for everybody at all of our churches hearing your word today. Today we resolve to live in whatever we do, working for you, not for human people, but for you. Lord, we know that you see what we do and you will reward us. It's you that we're serving. We repent for living apart from that. Lord, I just ask that your spirit would fall afresh on us this week, that you'd open our eyes to the calling that you have on our life. Give us the courage to practice that discipline in every facet of our life. Help people to see the radiant joy and hope that your promises bring to all who receive it. Lord, we just thank you for the purpose, the hope, and the grace that your promises bring to our life. In the name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen and amen.